You know, grace is often described as abundant. <laughs> you know, and abundance, when we just look up what is that word mean, abundance, that uh, is so often used. Well, it means this. It means extremely plentiful or oversufficient quantity or supply. Overflowing fullness, affluence, and wealth. How many like those words? Well, that describes just secularly, just out of the world's dictionaries, what abundance is. But you know, even those words in the context of God's grace and the abundance that is referred to or that he's trying to, wants us to reveal, be revealed to our hearts through his word, is, is really kind of falls short of the experience of God's grace that we experience and the abundance that it uh, is referred to by Paul. A few scriptures from Paul uh, on uh, the abundance of grace. Romans 5.17 says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned through, one, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So there's a promise, hallelujah, if you will understand and receive the abundant grace message for yourself, that you will reign in life. The understanding of that, getting that foundation in your thinking about the grace of God and the gift of righteousness that you possess, you will reign in life. How many want to reign? Hallelujah. That means you have authority. You change things in your life and the loved ones around you and your church, you change it because of the abundance of grace in your life. Paul, again, spoke of it in 1 Timothy 1.14, and he said the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant. So he pumps it up here a little bit with the adjective exceedingly abundant, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. You know, faith and love linked together are the power that draws the exceeding abundance of God's grace towards your life. And the abundance of grace is towards your life. You know, God has targeted grace, strategically targeted grace towards humanity. The entire human race is targeted to receive the grace of God. And it abounds, the word abound is used, so it's an abundance that abounds. It abounds towards us. Romans 5 and 20, he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. That is, that it might actually increase. But where sin abounded, it said grace abounded much more. So grace of God out abounds, hallelujah, the sin of man under the working of the enemy. So the grace of God can more than take care of your issues, your weaknesses, your habits that aren't so good. The grace of God is abounded, hallelujah, targeted towards you, his goodness. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, it says this. Paul again says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency. You know, sufficiency means that you have enough. A sufficiency is enough. In all things, in all the things of life, I think here Paul's kind of referring to the natural things you need in life. You need food. You need a place to live. You need a car to drive. You need a job. You need these things, all things in life. But then he goes on to say this, that uh, along with that, that you may have an abundance for every good work. The hallelujah, if you're determined in your heart to have a good work, hallelujah, a good work for God, 
That's what a good work is. It's not just a good work for the earth. You do good works in the earth, but a good work under the power of God, he said, I'll supply an abundance more than just your sufficiency towards you to accomplish that. Hallelujah. This is the grace of God for you. You know, to understand grace, we really need to understand the basis of that. What is it that powers the grace of God? Well, the root of all things in terms of grace and all the blessings of God is his love. Hallelujah. It flows out of the love. The grace of God flows out of the love of God. It is the source of all good things. And God... Um, uh, so we need to understand the nature of God's love to understand it. You know, there's a basic statement that I read that says, you know, there's nothing you can ever do that will cause God to love you more. He's maxed his love towards you. It's maxed right out through Jesus Christ, the demonstration and that love through Jesus Christ. So you can't, you can't do anything more in your life to receive more of the love of God, nor can anything you do, do not do cause God to love you less. Things that you don't do, things that you fail to do, hallelujah, do not limit the gracious love of God towards you. You know, a uh, pastor did a teaching on the love of God, and I just took a few points off that just to, you know, to, to demonstrate what kind of, there's different kinds of love. In scriptures, there, there's love expressed, there's eros love, you know, that's a physical love of sexual intimacy between a man and a woman in the marriage situation. And then there's filio love. Filio love is the affection of friends. Like here, you people are friends with one another. You know one another. You have friends. That's filio love, the love of friendship, acquaintances. And then there's storge love. That's the love in a family, uh, the love of parents to children and, you know, your extended family. And then finally, there's agape love. You know, agape love is a different dimension than the other three. The other three human beings experience, but the agape love of God. Now, we can experience and participate in agape love, but at the level God brought agape love, the love of sacrifice, the love of, hey, you before me, you know, the love of sacrifice. You know, we saw, sang about sacrifice this morning, and it says, I will be the sacrifice. You supply the fire, I'll be the sacrifice. You give the spirit. That's an awesome song. But you know what? We, you know, God gave the sacrifice. But he asks us in life to follow the pattern of agape love, which, which, which was to lay down your life. He laid down his life, a ransom for many. And God calls us to uh, follow that lead, which is the big struggle in the church basically to set oneself aside and let uh, to the benefit of others. I mean, oh, God calls us to that, to not always want to be first, but to be willing to step back. You know, you might be trying to find a parking spot at Costco or somewhere, and, you know, you come upon a pretty good spot, and somebody else arrives there maybe the same time or maybe even a little after you. Hallelujah. But rather than wrestle for that, car, that parking spot, uh, you decide to yield to that person and drive to the far, farthest part of the parking lot to find a place to drive, uh, park. And so that's just a small, that's a small demonstration of God because you sacrifice something. You sacrifice the fact that you had a preferred spot and you let that go to somebody else. Now you have to walk farther and maybe it's cold and maybe it's rainy, but that's agape. Hallelujah. It costs you something. Agape always costs. 
use something if you're exercising it. Hallelujah. So it costs the giver. This is just talking about understanding grace here. It, it costs the giver, but it comes freely to the receiver. Yeah, that person was blessed with that spot. Yeah, so the free expression of love is what is the source and experience of God's grace. And so the emphasis on God's grace, sometimes we stop and think about it. And we think about, you know, there's really nothing I can do that would make God love me more than he does right now, right here in this place. And every day you wake up. So what can we understand about grace? What can we understand and know some things would, would be a benefit to the way we live and the way we react with other people and the way we, the way most importantly, we react with God. And so we, we need to know that uh, the meaning of the word grace in the Greek is uh, something that we can get some understanding of grace from. Uh, and the word is charis, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, from which we get our word Christ, you know, the anointed one, the Messiah. And so what does this word in the Greek mean? It means this. It says it means that it's that which bestows or occasions favorable regard. It's also the word we get charisma from and charismatic. And that really becomes the tangible presence of God. The charisma of God in your life and my life is the unction of the anointing of the very tangible presence of God that resides in us and therefore is effective to do some things, to do those good works. You know, also that word of charisma means divine favor. It means it's freely given. It means... Grace can be spontaneous. It's something that God just moves towards you in the moment. When you're in a place of need, or you've been in a place of need for a long time, the extended work of grace. Grace also doesn't respect persons. It's also this current era or covenant time, dispensation that we're in. It's called the, 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 the time of grace. We're in the time of grace. Uh, grace is also the system of God's operation towards us now. It's the power of God. Praise Him. So God desires us to understand things. You know, the wonderful thing is God wants us to understand His Word and all that it can benefit us to be spiritually healthy in this life. In Matthew 13 and 51, Jesus said, to his disciples after giving them a lot of teaching, a lot of parables. He gave them the parable of the sower and a number of other parables, revealed great kind of depths of things. And at the end of that, he said in, in uh, 13 and 51, he said, uh, have you understood all these things? Have you understood this? See, Jesus wants us to understand what he teaches. He wants us to know, hallelujah, because it's not just... Uh, it's what we know about the truth that sets us free. It's just not the truth uh, in our closed Bibles and those places. It's the revelation of the truth that sets us free, that causes us to prosper, that causes us to move from sickness to health. Hallelujah. That causes us to move from debt to prosperity. That causes us to move upward in life. How many of you know God wants you upwardly mobile in life? He just doesn't want you to have the sufficiency. He wants you to have the abundance. He wants you to have the abundance, people. And he has it for you, and you're targeted to receive it. 
So we should understand that the grace of God is the operating system of power, hallelujah, that's, that's in the church now. And you know, Jesus himself was grace, the grace of God perfected in flesh. And that means for us as his people connected to him spiritually, right now we're connected to that perfected grace of God that was in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It cannot be generated. We can't generate the grace of God out of the earth. You can't get it there. It's not there. It's a heavenly thing. It's a spiritual thing of God. You know, the holy anointing oil in the Old Testament was given specifically with instruction of how to put it together, what things to use by God to Moses on Sinai. It's not something Moses thought up with Aaron. It was given to him by clear instruction from God. And the anointing that we have is given from heaven. Hallelujah. How many know the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit moved this morning to fill you up more with the power of God. That's what we need. We can't be powered in life by anything else successfully other than the Holy Spirit himself. And so likewise, the grace of God is something that's applied to us, something that's put in us something that's filled up in us, something that continues to flow through us. It's living and alive. How many know that we're no longer under uh, the condition that we used to be? You know, it's the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right, that sets you free from the law of sin and death. There's a new operating system. You know, a law is how something works. And what's working in you is different than what's working in the world. There's a different principle. There's a different operation of life inside you that's powered by Holy Spirit. Because the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in you, lives in you, abides in you. That's who you are. You need to be more identified with who you are than what you just might think you are or what somebody else is trying to define you are. You are a child of the Most High God. You are powered by His Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. The grace of God upon Jesus is the same grace that's upon every believer in his church. So you're sitting there with the same grace upon Jesus. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are empowered by him. So we should understand, too, that grace separates and dedicates. Yeah. You know, that was what the anointing oil was used for. It was used to separate the Levitical priesthood those that were in it, it was used to anoint them for special ministry to the other tribes, to the other 11 tribes. One tribe was selected. God's favor was put on them to do this mission. Praise God. So we're likewise, you know, we're like uh, the Old Testament tribe of Levi in some kind of shadow, uh, the way we are dedicated and set apart by the grace of God, set apart by the power of God to minister to the tribes of the earth right? We are the church. We are Jesus's tribe. Hallelujah. We have the anointing, the grace of God upon us. We have the power of God within us to, hallelujah, to work the good things of God, to minister as priests and kings into the earth. That's our real calling, right? That's what we're called to be. And, and Peter said that. He said that in 1 Peter 2 and 9. He said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Hallelujah. That means you, you declare in testimony 
this is what God's doing in my life. Tammy got up and said, this is what God did in my life since the last message here was I got double for my trouble. Hallelujah. Maureen got up and gave testimony of the, the, the healing power of God, the anointing of God to heal her father. Hallelujah. This is the power of God. This is giving praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There was a time when we were in darkness, but now we're in the light. Hallelujah. So we should understand that about grace, that it is the power of God, that it does dedicate and separate us to the things of God. And we should also understand that grace is divine favor. Favor. You have favor. Praise God. We are in the latter days. That is, we're approaching the final completion of the dispensation of grace. Yeah, the, the ark door is still open. But soon, at some point in time, God will close that door and return Jesus to the earth. So we should understand about divine favor. We have unusual favor as God's people. And we should be experiencing it. If we believe it, we should be experiencing that release of supernatural favor. The church should be more and more uh, moving in the supernatural favor God has for them. And that comes in possession. What we're possessing, you know, Israel possessed the promised land, crossed the Jordan supernaturally, and possessed the land through a God who empowered them to defeat their enemies. And, you know, it's the same in a similar way for us. You know, we have been given the power, and in this time, to take possession of promises. You know, our promised land is a whole set of promises that the new covenant gives us. That's the promise for sure that you're secured, hallelujah, for eternal life. But it's also the abundant promises that you can walk in divine health, that you can walk prosperous and blessed in the earth, that you can impact your generation with the truth of Jesus Christ, and you can see the tangible presence of God manifest around you. More and more, the church should see that. More and more, every believer should begin to see more of the activity of God around them, through them, and affecting the world they have, affecting their generation. Hallelujah. So we are a favored people. We need to begin to possess the land of divine promises and every blessing wherever and whatever our, wherever our souls touch the ground. Hallelujah. Praise God. You should be able to come to church and your feet in some way take hold of a promise. You should leave here today with a strength and promise in your heart. You know, it was written in Psalm 44 uh, about Israel. It was written through verse, first verse there and through verse 3. It says, we've heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days. In the days of old, you drove out the nation's uh, with your hand. But them you planted. Speaking of Israel. But them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. That is the enemy nations. For they, and then speaking of Israel. He says. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. They may have had swords. But it wasn't their own sword that did it. Nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand. Your arm. And the light of your countenance. Because you favored them. I want to tell you today, your God favors you. Favors you, you, favors you. You're a favored people. But what entitles us to favor? 
Well, the fact that, hallelujah, we took hold of the promise, first and foremost, of the work of Christ, the redemption that he provided at the cross. Hallelujah. Because of that grace through which you were saved, uh, that um, it was not of yourself, but it was, it says in Ephesians 2 and 8, it was a gift of God. It was a gift of God. You need to look at that. It is the gift of God. You know, there's a difference between a gift and a work. We need to understand that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But to the praise of his glory, it says in Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of his glory, wherein he made us accepted in the beloved. You know, the biggest pursuit people have in life is to be accepted, that people would receive them, be acquainted with them, would love them. Acceptance is still the most challenging thing people look for in life. And it's the biggest thing that they fear is to be not accepted, to be rejected. But you're accepted. You don't have to find, if you don't find acceptance with people, that doesn't mean you're not accepted. Your God has accepted you in Christ. You have a full measure of God's acceptance. You are worthy of him, and he has made you worthy as a believer. You are favored, and you are his favorite. Every child of God is a favorite of God. 